Comprehensive, relevant, and insightful conversations about health and medicine happen here at MedStar Health Doc Talk. Today, we're discussing living kidney donation. We're talking today with Dr. Jennifer Verbesey, Director of the Living Donor Kidney Transplant Program at MedStar Georgetown Transplant Institute and the Surgical Director of the Pediatric Kidney Transplant Program at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital. Dr. Verbesey, welcome to Doc Talk. Thank you for having me here. So let's start with why should someone listening consider becoming a living organ donor? So I'm so happy that I can talk to a lot of people about living donation because it really is something that you can do that saves the life of somebody else. It's hard to think of that many things you can do that have such a direct impact on someone else's life. So there is a huge difference in the number of organs that are available compared to the number of organs that are needed. And I specialize in kidneys, so I'm going to focus on that today. Um, But there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there that are waiting for a kidney transplant on dialysis. And one of the ways they can get a kidney transplant is by finding a living donor. And we really advocate for this because living donor kidneys tend to work faster and last longer when compared to deceased donor kidneys. So deceased donor kidneys come from people that you've typically heard of, someone who, you know, very unfortunately has died in an accident or something like that. And people wait on a wait list for those organs and can wait many, many years, like in this area, sometimes five to eight years. So all that time they're on dialysis, which is a very hard way to live. If you have a living donor kidney... We can do it almost right away. Within weeks, we can have it done. And sometimes we can even do people before they ever need dialysis, which is really the optimal situation. So if you are considering being a living donor, a living kidney donor, then you know I want you to know that you might be saving someone's life. Um, and that's why we really encourage people to consider it. So the benefits you would say include people being on the transplant waiting list, not having to wait as long. And then for the donor, you have the feeling, hey, I saved someone's life, even though you might not know who it is. What, are there any other benefits people should consider when they're thinking about doing this? Well, I'd first say those are two huge benefits. So it's not just that people are waiting, but dialysis is a really hard way to live. You, it's hard to work. It's hard to travel. And your chances of having cardiovascular disease, infections, other things go up every year that you're on dialysis. So saying someone's going to be on dialysis for five to six years is a very, very difficult thing for them. So um, it's a tremendous benefit if they can get a transplant faster than waiting a couple of years. And, you know, in all my years of doing this now, I, I can I can hardly think of a single donor who didn't feel incredibly happy and grateful that they had donated in the end, um, because it is something that makes them feel incredibly good about what they've done. It's very, very meaningful. And I think donors are really very, very satisfied that they went through the process and decided to donate. Can anyone become a living donor or are there some eligibility requirements that people should know about? So um, there are very few um, things that rule you out right from the start to be a donor. So I always try to tell people like, don't rule yourself out, fill out an application that we could talk about later, but let us talk to you and we can help you decide if you're good to go or not. The one hard cutoff is you have to be 18 years old. So no one under 18 can donate. Um, And there are certain diseases that people might have, like diabetes, which have a very high tie to kidney disease. And so if you had diabetes, even if you didn't have kidney disease, we would not let you donate. Um, 
It used to be also people thought a lot about getting a donor of the same blood type. And now we try to tell people that doesn't matter because we can do something called swaps and exchanges. So if you come forward and your donor doesn't match you, we have a lot of other people in the same position who might have a donor. And what we do is you still donate a kidney. And I try to tell people you're still donating for that person, but in between we just swap and exchange the kidney so that everyone gets a successful transplant. So there's not that many reasons that rule people out from being a donor. We are generally looking for very healthy people. It's basically someone who we feel like would have no problem having surgery and also doesn't have any risk factors for kidney disease in the future. But there are a lot of people who can fall under that umbrella. So you touched on eligibility and application. So let's kind of break down the three main parts of this process. So determining your eligibility, the actual surgery, and then post-operative. So let's start with eligibility. If someone says hey, maybe I want to consider being a living donor. What is the process like for them to determine if they can be one? Right. So the first thing is they fill out a questionnaire on our website. So anyone could just look up Georgetown Kidney Donor and you'll go right to our website and there's a big button that says, I want to be a donor. And you click that and you fill out a questionnaire. And the questionnaire does have some questions It's that help us do a few immediate rule outs. Like I mentioned, if you have diabetes or if you're not 18, Otherwise, it comes to us and we review it. And then you'll come in for a full day evaluation. And I like to say it's a full day education slash evaluation. You're not making any commitment at that part. You're only committing to come in and learn about the procedure. So you come in, you meet with more people than you ever thought possible. Every, you know, a nephrologist, a surgeon, a dietitian, the coordinators, you meet, it's a pretty much all day affair. Um, and then you get all kinds of tests done. So there's lots and lots of blood tests. There's some urine tests. And then you get a chest X-ray, an EKG. You might get an echo, depending on your age. And then we do either a CT or an MRI to look at your anatomy. And after all that's done, um, and sometimes that can take a little while to accomplish, we look through everything. We're trying to decide, are you at any increased risk for kidney disease in the future? And if everyone agrees you're low risk, we discuss it with you. And then the donor decides if they want to go forward or not. Um, and then it's time for surgery. So either you go through the exchange and we have to wait for a proper exchange to be presented, or we could just schedule the surgery directly. Um, the surgery we do laparoscopic, and now we're doing some robotically. Um, so that's a minimally invasive procedure. You just get one small incision because we have to get the kidney out in one piece and we can't smush it on the way out. So you do get one incision that's big enough to remove the kidney. And then you get several of the very tiny ones where the tools go in. And the surgery takes about three or four hours. And then most people go home the next day. Um, they might have some pain, a little bit of bloating for a couple of days. By one week in general, donors feel much better. By two weeks, almost back to normal. We ask people to stay out of work for three or four weeks because they can be very tired for a while and they can walk, they can jog, they can do things, they can move around, but you can't do any lifting for six to eight weeks because we don't want you to get a hernia. And after that, we intend for them to go back to their completely normal lives. They can eat whatever they want. The only thing we try to get people not to take a lot of NSAIDs, which are non-steroidals like Motrin and Aleve because those aren't great for you if you have one kidney. And then you do a follow-up visit with me at one week, six months, one year, and two years. So through this whole process, it really sounds like there's an emphasis at MedStar Georgetown, but especially in your clinic, on patient education. Why is it so important that both the donor and whoever's receiving the transplant are, are educated throughout this entire process about what it's going to be like? Well, people have to understand the recipient is getting the surgery because they have a medical indication. 
The donor doesn't have any medical indication. They're doing this because they want to do it. They're doing it completely to help someone else. It's one of the most altruistic things a person could possibly do. And we want to make sure people understand what they're getting into. Um, You know, most donors will tell you that it was no problem, but you know, there's very, very rare case of some issues. So we want to make sure that people understand everything that's going to happen, what the risks and benefits are, and that they want to do that, that they're doing this without any outside pressure, without any outside coercion. They have to want to do this. And so our mission is to make sure the donors come in completely educated and make their own decision to go forward. And also we want our main emphasis is on patient safety. So education is part of safety, but we make sure every single step of the donor process, we are you know, dotting every I, crossing every T, making sure that we are putting the donor safety at the absolute top of any list. Um, and that's very important at MGTI. I think for a lot of people who maybe aren't as familiar with organ donation, a big question they might have is, how can I donate a kidney or part of my kidney and keep going? What, you know, do I miss that? How does that work? Can you kind of break that down for us and why people can donate their kidneys and still be okay? Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing force of nature that... Um, we are born with a lot of reserve. You know, some people, if you have a kidney disease, you you need that reserve, you use it. But most people who don't have any sign of kidney disease or don't have any risk factors for developing that will have that reserve their whole life. And um, probably early on when people had a kidney cancer and they removed the kidney and they realized, oh, this person's still totally fine, they started to dawn on them that you could live life perfectly fine with one kidney. So most of our screening in the beginning is to look and see, make sure someone has sufficient kidney function that they can live the rest of their life with half of that and that the recipient will be fine with half of that. And you do regain back some of the function. You end up right at the time of surgery, we take out one kidney, so you're at 50%. But then in the next six six months to a year, we hope you get back to 60 to 70% of where you were. You're never going to get back to 100% or even close. But there are really, really good long-term studies now that show that donors do perfectly fine at 60 or 70% for the rest of their life. You talked a little bit ago about kidney swaps and exchanges. And and can we talk about how those work and how if I decide to become a living donor and that ends up being the route that I end up going through, what is that going to look like for me? So we participate in a national program. It's called the National Kidney Registry. Um, I think it's a fantastic program. Georgetown is a huge partner with that organization. And basically, it's great to be part of a national group because all these different hospitals across the country are putting in their pairs that otherwise, many years ago, people would have just said, you're not compatible, you can't donate. And now we have this amazing opportunity to swap kidneys. We send kidneys all over the country. Kidneys come to us from all over the country. The uh, organization is incredibly well-run. And not only do people maybe can donate where they couldn't in the past, there are a lot of benefits and protections that are built into the system. So the thing that pops in my mind first is there's lost wage reimbursement. So people can get back money that they lose from not working for those weeks, which is, of course, a great benefit. Um, You can get money for travel and transportation if you're coming from another place. Um, which I should mention, we do a lot of virtual evaluations, so you don't necessarily have to come here. We can evaluate people all over the country. Um, And there's also, you know, God forbid the kidney doesn't work. The NKR can provide backup where you can get another kidney. So there's lots of benefits in participating in the exchange. And then not only is your recipient going to get a kidney, you help other transplants happen. So a lot of people get 
almost extra satisfaction in, in participating in the swaps and exchanges. Um, and I just think it's a fantastic, sometimes we can get someone, a kidney that matches them better. So maybe we do, we're participating in a program called kidney for life. And they look at something called an eplet, which is a very small part of your, you could think of it as your genes and helps with matching so that if we can find you an even better match, maybe you could take less immunosuppression and maybe your kidney will last longer. So the swaps, you know, yes, it provides people donors where they may not have had one before, but there's a lot of side benefits built into the system. So it sounds like the two throngs of this process are one, we want to make sure this is as easy as process as possible for anyone who wants to be a donor. There's education, there's a lot of virtual options to make this easy. And also you see a lot of instances of, of gratification because the donors feel like they made a difference. This is, is some way, a way you can save a life, literally, while still being alive. Absolutely. It is, like I said, it's one of the most generous, altruistic things you can do. Um and one other thing I want to mention when we're talking about benefits, another thing, the National Kidney Registry, we call it the NKR, it also has a program called Advanced Donation. And I'm bringing that up now because it's also a benefit for the donor. It basically, we tell donors, you can donate whenever you want. We're going to work around your schedule. First of all, I can't do surgery unless you show up. So, but it's all donor based so that. If you're a teacher and you say, I want to donate over the summer because that's when I have off, but my recipient's not ready, that's totally fine. You can donate over the summer and your recipient can get basically what's kind of equivalent to a Starbucks gift card, but it's a kidney gift card. And when they're ready for transplant, they can come in and say, I'm ready for a kidney. And you you might not get one that day or right the next day, but you will be in line for the next kidney that's available. So there's a lot of ways we can work with donors and make sure that we're doing it to their schedule and their preferences. If I don't have a specific recipient in mind, can I still become a living donor? So yes, those are some of our most favorite donors. Not that I want to rank donors in our mind, but they're called non-directed donors. Um, Actually, that's what they used to be called. Now they're called family voucher donors for the most part. And the reason they're called family voucher is this is a person who comes forward who's heard the need for kidneys, has decided they want to donate, but does not have a specific recipient. And those kind of people, you know, first of all, are like gold because they put a kidney into the system. They don't have a recipient who might be difficult to match and they can break things open. They can make all kinds of transplants happen. They usually start a whole chain reaction of transplants. And at the very end, there's going to be a kidney that comes back to Georgetown and we can give it to someone on our wait list. So someone who's waiting for a deceased donor organ, we can then give a living donor organ to, which is amazing. Um, And the reason they're called family voucher donors is sometimes people used to come forward and say, you know, I want to donate, but I'm afraid. What if my child needs a kidney in the future? And although there was an incredibly small chance that their child would, I, I understand the hesitancy. And so the NKR has a program now where you can designate up to five members of your family. They have to be all free of kidney disease. Um, but if they ever need a kidney in the future, they will be in line to get a living donor kidney. So non-directed, you're still coming forward without a recipient, but there's a little side benefit here where you can designate five family members. And I think that's very reassuring to people and lets them go forward where maybe they wouldn't have in the past. So let's talk about the flip side then. If I am someone in need of a kidney transplant and I decide I want to go to a living donor route, what are some ways we tell people that they can try to find a living donor? Yeah, it's it's hard, right? You don't really... It's not very comfortable for people to go up to someone and say, hey, can you give me a kidney? Um, Although some people have no problem doing that. (laughs) Um, I've heard some 
very funny stories about how people ask, but in general, it's difficult for people to ask. Um, so what we encourage people to do is not, we call it the big ask, don't do the big ask, but tell people what's going on with you. Like if you share your story, if people know that you're on dialysis and that it's difficult, you would be shocked at the number of people who come forward. So we've had people, coworkers, people who live on the same street, people who play, whose kids play on the same baseball team. When you start telling your story, it's very natural for people to be very private, especially about medical issues. But we encourage you to share your story and that way you never know who would come forward to help you. The other, there's many other things you can do. And we have webinars that we do with the National Kidney Foundation, the NKF, called the Big Ask, Big Give, Big Ask. So there's all kinds of things that they'll suggest. Um, one of the big things is using social media. And people have a lot of success with using social media. And we will help you build something called a microsite, which is basically a web page that has your picture, tells your story, and can you can send out to people and helps you find a donor. So there are a lot of ways to look for donors without saying to someone, can I have a kidney? So people shouldn't be too worried or afraid about that. We will really help you. But you really got to realize that living donor is, as a recipient, is the best way to go. It's, it offers you the best chance of success and the longest outcome. So I urge people not to be afraid of it or not to uh, worry to the point where they don't want someone to do it, but to be open to the idea, learn more about it. Our donors do amazingly well. Um, and there's many, many ways that we can help you find a donor. If someone is looking for a living donor, are there any kind of qualifications they should be looking for or can they just look for anybody? I would prefer people look for anybody because a lot you don't want to rule people out. You know, you'd be surprised. People can have some small medical problems or different things, and we still might think they're a great kidney donor. So my suggestion is, you know, put out the word. Anyone who responds, let them fill out a questionnaire and let us help them decide. And the biggest thing is it's totally old news to advertise for a certain blood type donor. Um, any living donor is a good living donor. As we talked about, there's all these swaps and exchanges. So you do not have to find a certain blood type. Any living donor, like I said, anyone is a good living donor. Anyone can make it happen for you. So don't narrow down your search at all. Um, just, you know, anyone who's interested, let them contact us and we'll take it from there. So there's really a benefit to casting your net as wide as possible, because even if someone can't be your living donor, the odds that they start that process, like you said, are going to be higher if you cast that wide net, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes we get, you know, so many people, you only need one donor in the end to come through. Um, but definitely don't narrow down your search. Um, I would just make it very open and let us help, you know, decide if someone could actually go through the process and end up donating. So what is the recovery process like for someone who receives a kidney transplant? So the donor, like I said, goes home usually the next day, um, which is, of course, great. And the recipient usually is in the hospital for somewhere between two and four days. Um, we want to make sure the kidney's functioning well. But also the biggest thing is we start them on immunosuppression medication. And that medication prevents the body. The body sees the kidney as something foreign and will try to fight it off. So we want to make sure the the body doesn't fight against the kidney. And these drugs reduce your body's response to the kidney. And we have to get them to the right levels. So for the first few days, we're going to check those levels and try to get people where we need them to be. 
And after there's a lot of contact with the kidney team. So you're going to come back to our clinic twice a week, usually for the first month. Then if everything's going well once a week for a month, then every other week, you know, we start to space it out. But in the beginning, there's a lot of clinic visits that, so we can test people's blood levels so we can make sure the kidney's working well and we can get their drug levels right. And that's why when you go through the process, finding a social support, someone who's going to help you through this process is very, very important. And you might think we're a little crazy because we're going to insist that that person come to your eval and come to a class in the hospital and be, but it's very important that someone else knows what's going on and can get you to all your visits and can help you because, you know, you're going to have a major surgery. You may not be able to take everything in the way you need to. Um, And that's why you need that kind of trusted other person who's going to help you through this. So the idea is that both the donor and the recipient are educated and supported through this entire process. Absolutely. I mean, we can't tell people enough, please call us if you're having any troubles. We're here to help. Um, You know, those medications for the recipients are very important after, like if you have a change in insurance or any problem with a pharmacy, you need to call us. That's our whole job is to help people get a transplant, but we don't want you just to get a transplant. We want you to have a successful transplant. So um, you're going to have a coordinator assigned to you, a nephrologist, the surgeons are around. There's lots of people that can help you um, because we have the exact same goal as you, and that is to have a very, very successful transplant. Before we go, Dr. Riversey, I want to ask, in your experience, do you find that the donor's are getting as much out of this as the recipients? It's amazing to me how donors feel about this process after. Um, I have countless donors who tell me, please tell me how I can help. And they are all out there talking to other people. I think they find it one of the most satisfying and gratifying things that someone could ever do. And, you know, I think I always tell my donors when they come back in, like, don't cry because I'll start to cry too. Because I think that, you know, we've had all kinds of donors. Like I said, you know, people who live on the same street, people who teach at school together, but we also have, you know, of course, tons of family members. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would do anything they could to save a family member. And I have a lot of parents who donate to kids and kids who donate to parents. And, I think when you see their main goal in life is to have that person around for many more years, right? That's how they're going to enjoy life, to have that person with them. And I think the ability, most of them don't want any thanks whatsoever. It's just the thanks for them is to have that person at Christmas next year, have that person, you know, come over for their birthday, have that person around for their grandchildren. And I think that you know, whether they can put that into words or not, that's the most wonderful thing that a donor can do is to extend that person's life and then to be able to share all kinds of great times with them. The thing we love to say here at MedStar Georgetown is the power to save a life is within you. Um, and it's simple, but it's true. So that's that's really the message that people we hope people take home here. Yeah, that is definitely true of a living kidney or a liver donor. I mean, what they are doing is saving a life. There's no question. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today, Dr. Verbesey. We hope you've enjoyed learning about living kidney donation. We've been talking today with Dr. Jennifer Verbesey with MedStar Georgetown University Hospital in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Dr. Verbesey, for sharing your expertise here on MedStar Health Doc Talk. For more information on living kidney donation at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital, visit medstarhealth.org services slash becoming dash a dash living dash donor or call 202-444-3714.